2: Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for Good Sketches with myself, Greg Eats And now, part of the Decent Family Podcast, we've got a great podcast for you as we're going to be talking a lot of Big Ten today. As we've got one of our good friends from Sleepers Media that's joining me, Carter Elliott. He and our good friend Greg Waddell they do amazing work taking a look at the great game of college basketball. They're a part of the Field of 68's network. They do the Unscripted podcast as well, that is based around. Michigan State basketball. I know that Carter is also a part of the Rivals Network taking a look at Michigan State. So we're going to be discussing with them some of the expectations of Michigan State. The fact that they really have not utilized the transfer portal, but what they are doing right in terms of scheduling while the Big Ten has been faltering there and some of the teams that have actually been making some moves in the Big Ten. As we've seen a few teams this offseason decide that they are going to be stepping out there get into the transfer portal, including my home state of Wisconsin. Then we're going to get his thoughts on a team or two outside the Big Ten that has been making some splashy moves. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys a little bit of a recap of everything that we saw in college basketball over the last 24 hours. If you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what I have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we have for those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at gnnr41. Keep in mind letters EM. Maybe it does not matter. So I, it's per usual. Please send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire him whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five-star review. That final segment where I recap everything, it's been much longer at this time of the year than it was last season. I think that part of it is... Now they're going to try to endorse a cutoff period of like mid to late May in terms of when you can enter into the transfer portal, and that's part of why we've seen so many transfers thus far. 1,460 guys in the transfer portal, as I just refreshed. If you take a look at the entirety of the 2022 year, just for comparison, there were 1,762 players in the portal, so we're about 302 players away and. We still have a long ways to go in terms of this offseason. It's going to be hot. It is going to be heavy. We've seen a few players already decide where they're going to be going, but until that happens, I'm going to be very hard-pressed to try to get you guys any sort of conference previews anything like that. I'm going to try to have some of those starting up more around, I would say, very late May, early June is when I've been doing them the last few off seasons. Might need to be a little bit later than that just because it is a very interesting ordeal with this day and age in the transfer portal but that's what I'm shooting for right now and Day in and day out until that happens, shooting for just getting on great guests, like our good friend Carter Elliott. We're gonna be talking Big Ten and so much more with him next, right here on Coastal Guest Hoops with myself, Greg hoops Peterson, now part of the V C family podcast.
3: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units' return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports.
2: we're back here in Las Vegas for Discussing with myself, Greg Eves Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family podcast. It is always great to be joined by this fan as he is one half of Sleepers Media. It is Carter Elliott, and as you guys know, I am a graduate of a D3 university, so we are always a fan of those that come from great D3 universities, and Carter comes from one of those in Albion College out there in the great state of Michigan. Does a great job with the Unscripted podcast that is dedicated to Michigan State Spartans coverage. I know that he's a part of the Spartans Rivals Network as well. He does a great job over at the Field of 68, and you're able to follow Carter Elliott On Twitter, at his name, Carter Elliott, with two underscores on the back half of that. And Carter, it's always great to have you aboard. Thank you.
4: Hey, you know, I always have a good time hopping on here and talking with you, G, so I appreciate
2: you having me. I appreciate you joining me. And Carter, what have you made out of this offseason for the Big Ten? Because I think that it's been so fascinating. No doubt there's going to be quite a rebuild happening at Penn State when you lose a guy like a Micah Shrewsbury, so I expect them to be very active in the transfer portal. But it feels like there's sort of a chasm, like, I would say 35 or so percent of teams, like five or six teams, have been quite active in the portal, picking up guys. To my surprise, Wisconsin has been one of them. And then you've got the other about eight, nine or so teams that have just done a big giant nothing burger thus far.
4: Yeah, you know, I think it was needed for the Big Ten Conference because honestly whether the metrics back it up or not, just kind of what I saw last year from the Big Ten. It was a down year as a conference, I really thought it was. I mean, obviously, Purdue was the number one team in the country for a long time, ended up being a number one seed in the tournament, but it it just wasn't necessarily strong top to bottom as far as talent-wise in the Big Ten. So coming into this offseason and the transfer portal season, I expected a lot of teams to be very active in trying to add talent. You know, my wish list, of course, was just not only for the Big Ten to add some talent, but maybe switch some things up a little bit. Maybe add a different type of talent. You know, maybe not add the traditional five-man Big Ten classic 1960s basketball. Maybe like a little energy boost into the conference. So, you know, you have the University of Michigan getting a player like Caleb Love, despite what people say about him and his game. It's a different type of style I guess that differing from what the Big Ten style of basketball is so the transfer portal is just getting started for the Big Ten I mean it's it's just you know kind of touching the surface right now so excited to see how it's going to unfold you know as it goes deeper into the summer.
2: I agree with you and I think that a big takeaway that I had from the Big Ten and what they were all able to do and not just this year's NCAA tournament because I don't think judging a conference from one NCAA tournament is fair you're going to have Some bad draws, you're going to have some good draws. Being like, oh, well, San Diego State made a run. That means that the Mountain West was really good this last year. That's not an approach that should be taken. That would be very, very unfair to say the least. But I do take a look at the Big Ten in recent years. I think a big thing that has been ailing them as well has been scheduling. Like, your alma mater, your school over there with Michigan State, I feel like the reason why they've been the team that has made the deepest run for the NCAA tournament year in and year out is because they really challenge themselves out of conference. Meanwhile, I notice like my, um, my my school that I come from from my home state of Wisconsin in the Badgers, they really schedule a lot of cupcakes early on during the season. We notice this with a lot of Big Ten schools. Do you think that that's been something that's been hurting the Big Ten as well? Because I noticed that their out of conference scheduling typically is not up to par with say the Big Twelve and many of these other power conferences.
4: Yeah, definitely. And it's not just playing out of, uh, you know, a strong non-conference schedule. It's playing a strong non-conference schedule with teams that actually challenge you, because, you know, just to go off your point, when Michigan State got to March, we weren't seeing teams that we haven't seen before or styles that we hadn't seen before when you're playing cupcakes, you know, to start the non-conference and, you know, obviously I don't mean the, you know, the bad term of cupcakes, but you know, lower level opponents, it doesn't challenge you. It might be a different style of basketball, but it's not a different style that's going to challenge you. So by having that good non-conference schedule, whether it be wins or losses, it definitely improved. Just speaking of Michigan state, what they were able to do and how far they were able to go in March is because we played the best of the best coming into the season. So once we got to the tournament, it wasn't a whatever term you want to use culture shock or anything like that. We were ready to go.
2: Yep, absolutely. And I do think that that has been so key to the success of Michigan state in recent years, because we have noticed that Michigan state has been one of those teams that hasn't utilized the transfer portal too much as Carter Elliott, who does great work over at the field of 68 and sleepers media is joining me on the podcast. But they do a really nice job of just being able to see different looks out of conference, being able to play against a few teams that are going up-tempo, seeing some teams that are super-duper slow because we're, I'm sure, in relative agreement that the Big Ten, it does have that slow style, that 19-to-80 style of basketball where you are really run it through your big man. And I think that that's been big for Michigan State because even though they might not have had the talent of, saying Illinois, that was bringing guys like T.J. Shannon and Matthew Meyer Last off season this off season they've been very active once again bringing in some like a Marcus Tomas, it has allowed them to be a little bit more v- malleable, and I think that that is going to be valuable for them. I'm sure that you'd probably like to see Michigan State be a little bit more active in the transfer portal, but there are some things that are, they are doing right right now, and if they're able to get on board a little bit more with bringing in a guy or two to shore up that roster, I think that Michigan State could be that team that perhaps breaks this curse of the Big Ten not winning a title since 2000.
4: Yeah, I mean, the optimism for next year is one that I- I like to, you know, I like to tam- taper, uh, tamper it a little bit. I don't want to be too excited, but it's hard not to get excited about this Michigan State team going into next year because it's the perfect combination of age, veterans, guys coming back, and then you, you know, put that with a great coach like Tom Izzo, and then you have a great recruiting class to kind of put that into the fold as well. That freshman recruiting class could, has a has the potential to be very special. And at worst, they're going to bring some athleticism to the team, which I think that Michigan State lacked last year. We were one of the worst two-point field goal teams in the country. Now, we were one of the best three-point field goal teams in the country. But when it came to finishing at the rim and inside the arc, we were one of the worst in the country. Now, we might not shoot it as good from three this year with the loss of a guy like Joey Hauser. And then, you know, we're still waiting to see, haven't necessarily heard what Jay Nakin's decision is going to be. There's been a couple of rumors flying around here and there. But the outlook of this team is looking really, really good going into next year. And um, expectations are going to be high, and you know, I can't say that they
2: shouldn't be high. And there's going to be a lot of question marks with a guy that most likely is going to be staying within the conference, but we don't know where he's going to be. Another player from the state of Michigan. I know that you're a good buddy over there at Sleepers Media. Greg Waddell is very locked in as to... What's going to be happening with Hunter Dickinson, which I think that this is a very interesting ordeal because you talked about it with Caleb Bluff, He is going to be going into that Michigan program. That really helps them out. But you take a look at Hunter Dickinson, he could go back to Michigan, but just hearing his words on the podcast that he does, he seemed to be rather distraught with everything that happened with Michigan, with Jet Howard and his father and what have you with that ordeal that was not necessarily too terrific i know that he's been taking some visits with maryland and georgetown in recent days as well and i think that this is massive for the conference because if he stays within the conference and goes to maryland that heightens them up if he goes back to michigan then you're looking at michigan and michigan state being two of the top flight programs in this conference and well if he goes to georgetown that would just be a big giant loss for all involved
4: Yeah, I agree. And I talk to Greg, my co-host, all the time at Sleepers Media. We joke about it, but it really does mean something for the conference, for the Big Ten conference, when both state of Michigan teams are good. Like when Michigan is good and when Michigan State is good, it typically bodes well and says a lot about the Big Ten Conference as a whole. Obviously, Michigan making the NIT last year, which was disappointing to say the least for the for that team and their fan base. They got themselves in a very, very kind of sticky situation because you have one of your best players who enters a transfer portal basically saying he doesn't believe in the vision of the team. And it wasn't necessarily like a breakup where it's like, you know, Juwan said a couple of words saying he wishes the best for Hunter, but there were some other players on the team that were like, uh, you know, basically if you can't handle the heat, get out of the kitchen type type phrases. So the fact that he could come back would just be optically kind of strange. But from a basketball perspective, like if you're running out a team of Hunter Dickinson, Caleb Love, And you have Doug McDaniel, Terrace Reed. They've been very active in the transfer portal. They added Amari Burnett. Uh, They added Trey Jackson from Seton Hall. So, you know, they're starting to get some pieces. There's some other rumors about some other guys that they might get as well. So it'd be interesting to say the least. I think that despite all the basketball reasons, uh, it would be maybe drama-filled, having Caleb Love and Hunter Dickinson on the same team in general, but also after they played each other last year. And there was actually a scuffle and a situation involving Caleb Love and Hunter Dickinson and Doug McDaniel so it would just add to the add to the craziness
2: i am all about that craziness that would be something that would be very interesting to see to say the least, and Michigan has been one of the most active teams in the transfer portal in recent years from the Big Ten, and this team is getting into the mix as well. Is joining me on the podcast. We do have Carter Elliott. He does great work over at Sleepers Media. Made a little bit of reference to this, but my home state, Wisconsin Badgers, have now picked up a pair of guys. They pick up Noah Reynolds. He was able to put up 14.5 points per game at Wyoming last year. A.J. Storr in his last, we're going to call it 12 or so games, was averaging about 12 or so points per contest. At St. John's, a 40% three-point shooter. And I think that this is a big, giant breath of fresh air for a Wisconsin team that feels like has been stuck in 1975 for the last 40 years and has not been savory basketball. And as strange as it is to say, the complete embarrassment of them going nine-plus minutes scoreless and that NIT game against North Texas might have actually been the wake-up call that Greg Gard and everyone else needed in Wisconsin to realize, okay, something needs to change because this was just one of the most embarrassing displays of basketball in the 21st century. And I do feel like that bottoming out might actually be a good thing moving forward for Wisconsin. Yeah, sometimes you got to hit rock bottom to
4: actually. And that was rock bottom. That was, I mean, I've watched millions and millions of basketball games. That nine minutes was one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. And I'm not being dramatic. It was really, really bad. But speaking to Wisconsin, even after that, though, the thing is, I was still in on this team because, you know, you get the announcement of Tyler Wall coming back. You have Hepburn back. You have a and You have Crowell. You know, you just, it seems that, It's not necessarily about always bringing in talent. It's about keeping guys. Like, you look at, um, for example, San Diego State. That team was old. I mean, it was 22, 23-year-olds, been in college for a long time. And it's hard to rattle older players. Like, they've seen it all. They've been it all. Like, there's a – what you want to say about talent and everything like that, yes, talent's in play. But when you have a 23-year-old playing an 18-year-old or a 19-year-old, it's different. It just is. Whether now the talent can close that gap, but the age gap creates a difference in my eyes. So you have that older team. You have some talent coming back. And then you add a guy like AJ Storwell, who I'm a pretty big fan of. Uh, he played, like you pointed out, pretty well towards the end of last season. Not a guy typically who I would you know, kind of peg to go to Wisconsin, which is even crazier that Greg Gard pulled this off. Uh, Credit to him, but Wisconsin was a team that I really thought was going to be a factor in the Big Ten next year as far as being like a top-four team or a top team in the Big Ten because of the pieces they had coming back. Uh, Now you mix in some transfers who have some talent. There's something cooking over in Madison now. Also, this puts a spotlight on Mr. Guard as well. The talent's there. I think he has the pieces to get it done. He can't have NIT bids and nine-minute scoreless bids in the NIT as well. Uh, you know, now, now it's put up or shut up.
2: Yeah, I think that there should be a stipulation in this contract. If you make the NIT semifinal and you get another nine-minute drought, you are just automatically fired. And I think that everyone would be very okay with that because that was absolutely terrible to say the least. But I mean, it was nice to see them be able to hit the transfer portal right now. And I do feel like the Big Ten is just trending in a little bit of a different direction because We've taken a look at Illinois. They've been able to make some nice moves with the Marcus Domas. I thought a heartening move for this conference as well was something like a Noah Fernandez who was playing at UMass, a bit more of an up-tempo system going over to Rutgers. And I think that the conference has sort of looked itself in the mirror and been like, yeah, you know what? We've had a lot of success just in the regular season, getting teams to the NCAA tournament. But it's not enough. And I think that the more diversity of style, teams trying to get out of that 1980s fold, I think that in the end could be a very good thing for the Big Ten. Even if you lose a bit or two in the NCAA tournament, it's not going to matter if you can get these teams to finally be able to make more Sweet 16, Elite 8, and obviously Final Four and beyond runs. Yeah, the end.
4: I I think, and this sounds bad saying it, but I think that it's not when the Big Ten Or die, I feel like. I feel like the teams in the Big Ten are so focused on beating each other up that they really lose sight of, you know, that the fact that you got to play into March and play different styles and play different teams. And it's repeated, I think, kind of year after year now. And it gets a little bit lazy at this point. But at the same time, when you look at it, I think the teams are just all constructed to beat other Big Ten teams. Every Big Ten team constructs themselves to play against other Big Ten teams. They don't necessarily construct themselves to be successful in the big day. I think we're starting to see a little bit of a change of that. Um, and I think it'll be good for the conference.
2: No doubt about it. I think it will be as well as Carter Elliott, who does great work over at Sleepers Media, is joining me on the podcast. Carter, we've kept it mostly to the Big Ten, but I do want to just throw it out there and just give you the floor on this one. Has there been a team or two really other than Duke? Because I think that it's very apparent that Duke is going to be our way too early number one team. That could change if you get some big bomber team. That brings in, like, Hunter Dickinson or something like that. There's always changes that are made in the offseason. But Duke, no doubt about it. Things have been going well for them. But is there a team nationally? It could be another Big Ten team, or it could just be a team from, like, the SEC, the Pac-12. You're able to go down the list. They just take a look at the moves that they made off season, and you've just been really impressed by the way that they've been able to build up their roster.
4: Ah, uh, well, you know what? I'm going to take the easy way out here in the transfer <laughs> portal. In the transfer portal era, it's it's Eric Musselman and the Arkansas Razorbacks. I mean, I love the addition of Keon Menafield from uh, Washington, a, a, a Michigan product, by the way. So watched him a lot in high school, late bloomer, undersized, but I mean, kid is wired to score. I'm excited to watch him. In that system, they add a guy like Tremont Mark, who I think is just the perfect glue guy. And I love what he can do. Kind of hurt that he left Houston. I'm a big time Houston Cougar fan. So sad to see him go. I thought he could play a big role this year coming up for Houston. But, you know, their loss is Arkansas's treasure. So as always, Eric Musselman is going to do great things in the transfer portal. And also the commitment of Trevon Brazil to come back to off that torn ACL. I know there was some NBA murmurs for him. So getting him back as well, uh, you know, excellent for them.
2: Sometimes as things change, some things just stay the same. And you know what? That's the case with this podcast as well. It's another new off season, but as always, we've got great guests doing an amazing job taking a look at things. And Carter, you're one of the best of the business. You do amazing work over at Field of 68. I know you and Greg Waddell have a lot of things on tap for this off season. And as I know that you guys are getting set for what is going to be an amazing 2023-24 campaign. So let the good people at home know what's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms.
4: I had a plan on taking a little bit of a break after the season ended, but unfortunately, the Transfer Portal leaves (laughs) absolutely zero time for that. So you can find all of my content uh, at Sleepers Media. That's on Twitter, YouTube, anywhere you uh, listen to podcasts at Sleepers Media. As you mentioned earlier, you can find my personal stuff at Carter Elliott with two underscores at the end. And you know, we'll be releasing videos. We'll have draft, NBA draft stuff actually coming up here soon. More of a focus on actually watching the top prospects, the college prospects that are coming into this next year's draft. Might even bring back Drunk Scouts, which is a fun thing. Yes. So Drunk Scouts has been discussed and probably will be coming back sometime later this summer. And I know you're a big fan of those. So be on the lookout for
2: those. Absolutely. And if I have a request, get some Bell's Brewery beers into the fold as I've had a few of those. Yes. Absolutely tremendous brewery out there in the great state of Michigan. Founders is very good as well. There's many good ones out in the great state of Michigan. Hopefully we can get Drunk Scouts back. But one thing that we know for sure is that whenever Craig Waddell and Carter Elliott join this podcast, they supply absolutely tremendous insights. Today, we were able to get our D3 brethren and Carter aboard. Always great to have him aboard. Thank you. A big thanks to Carter for joining me on Cusco Soup, Soups, now part of the VEASAN Family Podcast. And coming next, is that time podcast to give you a roundup as to all the news and notes that we saw in college basketball on Friday.
3: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today.
3: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick
2: We're back here, lovely Las Vegas for just the with myself, Greg Peters, and now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Always great to get our good friend Carter Elliott aboard. He does amazing work over at Sleepers Media, taking a look at the game that we all know and love of college basketball all 12 months out of the year. As he mentioned, typically this would be a time of year where most people are able to kick back, relax a little bit, but the transfer portal, it is very hot. It is very heavy. It's a big reason why I've not taken a day off on this podcast since really 2019, because Man, you never have a shortage of action that is going on. And Carter, he's a man that lives this life as well, does an amazing job taking a look at what we all know and love. So a big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you a little bit of a roundup as to all the news and notes we saw in college basketball over the last 24 hours. And for the UW-Green Bay Phoenix, looks like they are going to be going down to the non-D1 level, trying to be able to get a little bit of a rich here as Rich Beyer. He has decided that he is going from Rockers College, and he is going to be heading over to UW Green Bay. He's someone that was able to put up some really nice numbers last year at the non-D1 level. Was a 40% three-point shooter. Was able to register right in the neighborhood of about 17.9 points per game. He was able to put up eight boards. He's got a really nice skill set as right around a six-foot-eight, little bit of a combo player. Exactly what UW Green Bay needed, as it has been a very rough existence for UW Green Bay fans last few seasons. They made a much needed coaching change during the offseason, so this could be a step in the right direction for them. This is a step in the right direction, in my opinion, for Villanova, one of those teams that, much like the Big Ten, they have not utilized the transfer portal too much at all, but they have decided that they are going to be picking up someone in T.J. Bamba who last season was able to play really well at Washington State, a Washington State team that played at a very slow tempo, much like Villanova, so I think the fit is going to be good. Well, at Washington State last season for Bamba, 15.8 points, 3.5 boards, shot 37.5% from three-point range, and just sort of fits what Villanova does. Have these guys that are right around like 6'5", like he is, does a little bit of everything. He's a native of the state of New York, so he is from the northeast part of the country. I think that this is something that's going to be working out very well for them, so that was one of the more impactful ads that we did see over the last 24 hours. This one, I think, is fascinating as well. We've got a gentleman heading from West Florida to the Atlantic Sun, as Daniel Sofield. He was playing at West Florida this last season. He has decided that he's going to Central Arkansas, and we are seeing more and more of these guys go from the non d one level up to the D1 level, and this last season... He had a very good year over at North Florida as he was able to put up 16 points, gave out two and a half assists per contest, right around three and a half boards, shot thirty-four and a half percent for three, which was down from his previous two years, where he was shooting more around 41 to 41.5% from three point range, but a six foot seven, two hundred and fifteen pound bucket getter for Central Arkansas is going to need to work on defense a little bit, but that's quite frankly this entire Central Arkansas program. So being able to bring in someone like that, I think it's going to be massive for them. Will Baker is a 7-footer that's able to pop threes and has decided that he is going to be heading over to LSU. A former top 50 recruit in the class of 2019 had a nice year for Nevada this last year. 13.5 points, a little bit over 5 boards, shot 35.5% from 3, 84% free-throw line, was able to be a part of a Nevada team that was really able to have a surprising year this last year. They played better defense than I think a lot of people were expecting with LSU. Just a little bit of a flopperoni. They had to build that roster on the fly with Matt McMahon taking over a program that legitimately returned, I think, like one player Wilkinson, and that is about it. So they really had to just try to grab everything humanly possible that if he could. Now it feels like this is going to be a team that's going to be built more in the likeness of Mr. McMahon. He's getting into his guys, and this has certainly won them. Omar Stanley, he was playing at St. John's this last year and put up some okay numbers. Didn't necessarily see a ton of minutes but 4.5 points, 2.7 boards, just under a block per contest. The very few amount of threes they he took. He only took about half a three per game. He was able to make shooting about 45.5% from three par inch, and he has decided that he is going to be going to Boise State and I take a look at Stanley and he was able to see some more minutes starts back half of the season. He saw 14 starts out of the team's last 17 games of the season and that span shot 67% overall from two point range. He was able to give the team right around five and a half points, three boards per contest. So I think that he can come in. hop up Boise State that they were very talented with their starting five, but they did not necessarily have a lot of depth. We're noticing quite a few transfers from teams that they did have a little bit of a replacement of coach in the offseason, like Western Kentucky, for instance. They lost multiple guys over the last 24 hours in Darius Miles, along with Elijah Hughley. Now, neither of these guys were very big contributors at all. With Miles, he was putting up right around one and a half points per contest. Hughley, I think that he had like one rebound the entirety of the season, but we are seeing more of this currently occurring as we also saw this happen with another program in Montana State. Montana State was under the tutelage of Danny Sprinkle, did a great job there, but he decided that he was moving on and going to Utah State. So as a result, Darius Brown, the second, and Raekwon Battle, two of their main backcourt pieces, are now in the transfer portal. With Battle, he was really the main scorer for this team, shooting thirty-five and a half percent from three-point range, seventeen and a half points, three boards. And then when it comes to Brown, he was the main facilitator. Nine points, but five assists, 1.8 steals, four and a half rebounds, shot 40% from three, 91% of the free throw. I feel like he's one of the more underrated mid-major players in all of college basketball. Whoever gets Brown is going to be very happy with him. He had assists to turnover ratio right around three when he was at CSUN, better known as Cal State Northridge. So that is going to be very impactful to take a look at. You also are noticing teams are picking up a bunch of transfers as you heard Carter Elliott mention that Arkansas is doing a good job in the transfer portal. I wholeheartedly agree, but as you have more and more transfers come in, you're most likely going to be losing a guy along the way, and that happened to Arkansas with Barry Dunning Jr. deciding that he is going to be leaving the program. He was with Arkansas this last season. A former top 150 recruit, according to most websites, that just he was unable to get out there on the floor this last season. Did play in 16 games, but he was averaging right around three minutes per contest, averaged less than a point per game. He had six foot six. That's a nice skill set. He's able to pop a few threes, but he just wasn't necessarily a fit with this system. So we are going to be seeing what happens with him. Cache Fields, he was last season playing over at Utah Valley. As we know, they have been going through some coaching changes as well. He has decided that he is going to be entering the transfer portal. Someone that just, quite frankly, did not see a lot of minutes. So we shall see what the future holds for him. And then Malik Wilson, he was over this last season playing for Houston. He just wasn't able to get a lot of minutes either. And he has decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal. As a matter of fact, he just had a redshirt in general this last season. But he's someone that you do want to be taking note of because even though his last season of actual basketball, the 2021 22 campaign over at Texas Tech, he really wasn't able to show himself very well, only at two and a half points per contest. If you look at the two years that he had at Louisiana, He was an impact player, 12.2 points, 3 assists, 2.2 steals, 5.5 rebounds. He had a season as a freshman where he shot 36% from three-point range. So he's one of those out-of-sight, out-of-mind guys that I do think could be a big-time contributor in the right situation. Now, the key is being able to find that right situation and we are seeing a lot of players with sort of that untapped potential. These guys that they did have a lot of promise and they didn't necessarily pan out first time around enter into the transfer portal and I do think that that could be some of the riches of the portal. So we're going to see what happens there and this could be one of those as well as I mean, this guy's really bottomed out. ESPN Adam, many years ago as a top Top 50 recruit Omar Payne. This last year at Jacksonville. He had 4.8 points, 3.2 rebounds per contest. Spent his first two years at Florida. Really didn't get out there on the floor too much there at all. he wasn't able to find his footing. Now he couldn't find his footing at Jacksonville. So we're going to see what the future holds for him. A guy with a lot of talent coming out of high school that just has not been able to put it together. So he has decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal. Malachi Rhodes has decided that he is going to be entering into the portal as well. He was a okay contributor at Bucknell two seasons ago. Was able to give that team right around 3.8 points, four boards per contest. Had a McNeese state. Wasn't terrible. Wasn't great. About six points, 4.8 boards. Someone that has shot a few threes in his day at six foot eight, but not a guy that is necessarily going to be stretching the floor. He has decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal. This is a big get for Iona and just everything that they're looking to build because they're left with one player from their roster last year at Osborne Shema. So we are going to be seeing if they can just Add guys in general, but Eden Tretout. He has decided that he is going for Harvard, and he is going to be going over to Iona. He's going to be joining this Tobin Anderson system, and he's just a Tobin Anderson sort of guard. Guy that last year, with the smart kids, 9.7 points, Two assists, shot 36.5% from three-point range. He's a gritty guy that's going to do a little bit of everything. Doesn't necessarily do one thing great, but does a lot of things relatively solid. So I do like that ad for them. We saw Jacob Tracy, who he was at Lindenwood this last year. Didn't light the world on fire as a starter, but was able to give some solid production. Shot about 32% from three, four and a half points. around 3.2 boards per contest, he has decided that he is going to be entering in the transfer portal, so we shall see what gems lie ahead for him. We are noticing that quite a few guys from Louisiana Tech that entered in the transfer portal, they are deciding where they are heading, including Keandre Bullock. Bullock has decided that he is going to be going to Niagara, and Niagara has really brought in a nice haul here in the transfer portal. That's a little bit of a surprise to me. They did lose Noah Thomason was their do-it-all player, a guy that led the team with like 19 points per contest, and when you put into perspective that he was averaging those 19 points per contest for a team that was in the bottom ten in terms of total possessions per game, that makes it all the more impressive, but for Bullock, this last season at Louisiana Tech, as actually began his career at the junior college level, he was able to chip in their five points, three and a half boards per contest, he was able to pop a few threes, shot about 30% from distance, and he becomes transfer number five for Niagara, joining Luke Bumbleau, who a few seasons ago at Ball State was able to be a nice three-point shooter. Kawan Marble, who was a double-figure scorer a few years ago at Wyoming, a guy that's able to shoot some threes. Yao Obeng Menza comes in from UMBC, and Randy Tucker from UW Green Bay. So it has been quite an off-season for Niagara thus far. It has been quite an off-season when taking a look at impactful moves for Butler as well. As now they're bringing in Jamil Telford. Telford was the top scorer this last season and Northeastern, 16.3 points, 4.5 boards, 2 assists per contest. Now was a relatively poopy Northeastern team this last season that didn't necessarily play a lot of defense. But Telford, he was a guy that was able to do a little bit of everything for this team for his career. Only about a 30.5% three-point shooter, but has a nice skill set at 6'7". You do have to wonder how he's going to be able to fare against Big East competition, as I just notice every single time. It felt like there was a step-up game for Northeastern in recent years. They just did not have a good time being able to hang in that game whatsoever, but I do think that he could be able to make a little bit of an impact for Butler, so we shall see if their transfer portal halls are able to go better this year than they did to go this past season. We saw O.K. Dominguez. He last season was playing at Drake, just as always been glued to the bench over at Drake. He averaged right around four points per contest two seasons ago. This last year averaged three points per game, and is a career 46.5% three-point shooter. Now, it's not, not necessarily a whole a lot of threes taken, but he's a career 46.5% three-point shooter, and He's heading over to Maine, and I really like what this Maine team has been able to do, as last year they were able to surprise a lot of people. We all thought that they were going to be drags out there in the AAC. I recognize that. 13 wins typically isn't reason to throw a parade, but it was the most wins that they had in the last 12 seasons. It was the first time they got more than six wins in conference since the 2010-2011 season. I actually really like what Chris Markwood is building over there. He's done a good job bringing in some nice guards. I think that he could very well fit into the system. He might not be quite what Jetty Jaius-Patisse, who came in from Georgia Southern, was, but he is sort of in that vein, and I like the direction that they're going, adding some three-point shooting. Marquis Hastings. He was able to do a very good job of pulling in rebounds in the Metro Atlantic, and he has decided that he's gonna be going to the Ryzen leg as he's transferring over to Robert Morris, six foot seven gentleman that began his career at Butler, couldn't really get out there on the floor, but this last season was just a walking rebound. For Western Michigan, a Western Michigan team that didn't play a lot of defense. He was the only one showing a lot of effort on that side of things. 8.3 points, 9.3 boards, right around a steal per contest. Robert Morris was looking for a little bit more down low as they were able to have some nice production this last season out of Khalil Spear. I think that Hastings has a very similar skill set to him. I think that this is a good fit. So that is a nice add for our good friend Bobby Morris. Quincy McGriff, he this last season was playing over at Duquesne, and and some moderately decent numbers: five and a half points per contest. Shot thirty-four and a half percent for three. Came over from the junior college level as a six-foot-six, a little bit of a do-it-all player. He's going to be adding to UTSA. Meet, meet for the road runner. Says they get a relatively nice add on this one. I think that he could be a nice little impact guy. Not someone that's going to be lighting the world on fire or anything of that nature, but. You know what, a steady guy that can be someone that at six foot six is able to pop some threes for you. This is an interesting add to the transfer portal because Alexis Yetna had a massive freshman year while he was playing at South Florida many, many years ago during the 2018-19 season. Just hasn't been able to stay out there on the floor, did not play at all this last season. He is in the transfer portal. Last we saw him at Seton Hall during the 2021-22 campaign, he had 8 points, 7.6 rebounds per contest. He's capable of shooting threes, didn't necessarily pop them very well, but he has been a very, very well-traveled man that, when he is out there, he is productive. The question is, are you going to be able to get him to be out there? So, we are going to be seeing on that front, and I'm sure that there are going to be many low to be majors that are more than willing to roll the dice, being like, alright, if we're able to actually get him out there on the floor, this could be a nice haul for us. Jaden Johnson just was not able to see any minutes at Illinois State the past few seasons, averaging only about 1.5 points per contest. He was not necessarily so happy about that, so he has decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal. or Roberts is another one of these schools that is dealing with a little bit of a coaching change. So Patrick Bowomba has decided that he is going to be entering in the transfer portal. Had a productive year this last year. Began his career at UT Arlington and in his last campaign at UT Arlington was averaging about 10 points, four and a half points per contest, shot about 30% for three. This last year at Oral Roberts shot 37.5% for three Is a six foot seven. Nice stretch player. Eight points, five and a half boards, right around a steal per contest. A very good, versatile, slippery guy. So he is out there in the transfer portal. That's another one that I think a lot of people are going to be taking a look at. Jack Wilson, he is going to be going for Washington State and he is heading to Minnesota. So is joining the state with the smallest drinks in the union for Wilson. He wasn't necessarily a super highly touted guy and just really couldn't find a lot of minutes with Washington State. I, he was a little bit more of a walk-on tape. And for Minnesota, they just need to find a way to be able to get a little bit more depth. We've seen it with them in the first two years of the Ben Johnson era. Whenever any one of their top players get injured, it's just as if there is nobody to be able to take their place. So that has been a little bit of an issue for them. This has been a little bit of an issue for Fairfield, just not having any sort of three-point shooting whatsoever. They're hoping that Luis Bleachmore of St. Joe's is going to be able to help out with this. With Bleachmore, he began his career at Harkham, Pennsylvania College this last year. He was playing for St. Joe's, shot about 32.5% for three. Just didn't see a lot of consistent minutes. I do think that at Fairfield, he's going to be able to see a few more of those as just been a little bit rough for him, just trying to be able to get out there on the floor in general. And then If you're looking more for sharpshooters, I think that Fairfield should have been looking more in this direction as Isaiah Pope, he has decided that he is going to be heading over to Fresno State and that has been a big need for Fresno State. A little bit more outside shooting as over the last two seasons, they've been a bottom 50 team in terms of three-point shooting percentage and at Utah Tech, they really didn't major in defense, but Mr. Pope, he was able to drain some threes, shot 42.5% from three-point range, was able to do a nice job with his versatility. 13 points, 2.6 assists, 1.1 steals, four boards per contest, so I do like his overall game at 6'5". He has decided that he is going to be going to Fresno State. So that's big for them. And then speaking of West Coast guys, Jaden Delaire, he has decided that he is going to be entering in the transfer portal. Went over from Stanford to San Diego and just couldn't stay out there on the floor. Only played 12 games. those last season when he was out there for San Diego. A team that was very good on offense, was terrible on defense. points, 5.3 boards, shot 47% from three, a low volume of threes. He took fewer than 25 in total, but shot 47% from three overall for his career. More on a 30.5% three-point shooter his last two years at Stanford. He was shooting more around 32.5% for 3 per range, giving the team 11 points, four boards per contest. So he has already proven that at a high major level, he is able to put up some big numbers. So we're going to be seeing where he's going to be going moving forward. Could be a nice buy low for a low-slash-mid major. And then on the front of players turning pro, we really didn't see any NBA draft decisions Happen on Friday, and we're still waiting. The few coaching vacancies are currently open to be filled, as now there is one with Quinnipiac, as you saw Baker Dunleavy a few days ago decide that he was going to be joining Villanova. But we did see Grant Basile, who was playing this last season at Virginia Tech, has decided that he's not going to be using his extra year of eligibility, and he's going to be going pro, most likely overseas. was very solid at Virginia Tech this last year. 16.5 points, 5.5 boards from three par inch shot thirty nine per cent from three as a six foot nine little bit of a combo player so we're going to be keeping track of everything that is happening this college basketball offseason and trying to get you set for what is going to be an amazing 2023-24 college basketball season and bets are one in season. They're one right now with great preparation and just preparing for the upcoming season. And if you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Coast Coast Seeps, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, tune TuneIn. if you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you. For this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is... My Twitter timeline at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind letters. may mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Buy that five star review. A big thanks to our good friend, Carter Elliott over at sleepers media and a fellow D3 graduate. You join me in the last segment coming at you guys every single day throughout the entirety of the year, off season, on season, Hundred million billion games on the slate. Zero games on the slate. I'll be with you guys throughout and conference previews. Those will be coming once the transfer portal cools down a little bit. So appreciate you guys tuning in today, and I'll be back with you once again tomorrow. Thank you.
0: Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of the Girlfriends: Our Lost Sister.